This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 607 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Eco Gold, and Total Saddle Fit. On tonight's USDF show, we have Senior Competitions Coordinator Christian Brown talking about awards programs. We've also got Angela Jackson with tips about riding young horses. After that, we learn about Team Tate Academy from creator JJ Tate. We will finish up with a tip from Natasha Altoff. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Phil Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hello, Phil. How are you tonight? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? How's things in it. Florida? Yeah, it's been super busy here. So uh, I'm, we're getting ready. We're actually recording again a little bit early in the week because uh, I am doing my second CDI of the season. So uh, starting tomorrow. So we move in early uh, tomorrow morning and get ready for the jog inspection around 1120. And then we'll be ready to rumble. So I'm really excited about it. Okay, that's cool. We, we, you just finished that. Well, not you, but there there was just a, a giant show going on with the five-star competition. And there was like so many Grand Prix riders. I was able to kind of tune in and watch a few, but that, that was really an enormous show. It was enormous. Me too. And and actually, you know, strategically, I didn't go last week because I wanted them all to ride. <laughs> uh, so this week's a little bit of a smaller CDI, but it was that was great. And we also had a show in our neighborhood last weekend. So that was great. So just a lot. It's it's full season here. It's right in the middle of everything and lots are going on and it's really fun and cool. So it's it's been good for sure. I, I didn't even know it was March. I was like, what day is it today? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you know, you're busy, but uh, we had a good horse show. Also, Big Mike finally broke the 70 mark fell pre-St. George. That's I, good. I, I, That's I good. you know, yeah. finally did it. Phil's been, Phil's been on my case, you guys, for like a year. Cause I've come close, but haven't, haven't hit that mark. So we, we hit it pretty, pretty over. So. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. He had a 71. So. It was a good test. Uh, really solid, solid test. So that was really fun. And you know, when you come out and you're like, yeah, I can yeah. call Phil now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, so it was a good, good weekend. And uh, yeah, our training horse also with my assistant did great. So lots of fun. So we're excited. We're looking forward to the week. And then we have a little break again. So, you know, we, we try to ebb and flow because, um, you know, down here, you can show horses every week. I know the hunter jumpers do it, but dressage horses aren't used to that. And, and so you want to be careful. You don't burn them out. Um, cause you could, there's a horse show every weekend. So, you know, it's really strategic. You have to be pretty careful on what you're doing, how you do it. So we've been working on that for sure. And, and it's all been, been pretty good. So looking forward to the week and then a, a quieter week after that. All right. Well, we got a pretty full jam packed USDF we show. Do. What have we got? Yeah. yeah so we're going to have a great show. We're going to start off with Kristen Brown from USDF. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, 
USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight for our USDF episode, we are so happy to have Kristen Brown, Senior Competitions Coordinator at USDF. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. We are really looking forward to having you this week because we've got lots of fun stuff at USDF that we want people to know about, right? So we wanted to throw you right in, in into the deep end, and talk about what are the Regional Schooling Show Awards program. So the Regional Schooling Show Awards program started in 2020, and we are very excited about it. It is a program that enables competitors to compete at their local schooling shows and earn scores for USDF recognition. And we had a really good response and we are really pleased even with COVID-19 affecting a lot of our uh, competitions across the United States. We did have a very exceptional response and we are looking forward to continuing the program. And the, the Regional Schooling Show Awards program, as it named, says we do recognize these competitors by region. So they are ranked regionally and we have four different divisions and we offer seven different levels per division. So Kristen, how does one, if I wanted to compete in a schooling show, how do, how do I get become eligible for the program? It's a very simple process, Reese. We have an online nomination form on the USDF website under the awards tab. And all you have to do is submit the very simple application, and it is a horse rider combination nomination for a one-time yearly fee of $35. And if I go to a schooling show, like in Kentucky, we have the Snowbird program, we have Paul Frazier, we have quite a, a, a big program in Kentucky. How do I know that those shows count, or how do I make them count for the awards program? For the Schooling Show Awards program, we actually have a competition calendar on the USDF website. So you would go to the USDF website, look at that particular website page, and pull up the competition calendar for 2021. And it's all, all of this information is located just on one USDF website page. And then it is um, differentiated by state. And then you would just click on the state that you're interested in um, where the schooling shows are held. And it will give you a list of the names and the dates of each of the shows that have agreed to participate in the program. Fantastic. Um, Anything else about the program we should know? Yes. We would love everybody to know to keep checking back and looking at the competition calendar on a regular basis because shows are being added routinely. I mean, and very often. So competitions can enter the or participate in the program up to 30 days before their show. So it's very frequent that we are updating that uh, competition calendar. So there's lots of shows that are going to be yet to be pulling to that, uh, that database. And let's say I have a schooling show in my area and I wanted to get it recognized. How, do, how does one do that? Just like the nomination form is on our website, the competition application is also on our website. And again, it's an online application and you just provide the information to the application portal and there's a $25 processing fee per application. Very simple. You can batch a bunch of shows, 
and put them all together and they will come through and they automatically appear on our competition calendar to get you as much recognition as possible. And then you just have to submit US to USDF, a prize list and a copy of your entry form. And then with after the show, you submit the results to USDF and it's a very easy process. Oh, that's fantastic. That seems actually pretty easy. Just kind of keep an eye on the website and or check or nominate your show. That sounds great. It's a very easy process. Um, it's also important to note that if you attend a schooling show that is participating in the schooling show awards programs and you change your mind after the show and want to participate in the schooling show program, competitors do have 21 days after the end date of the first show to nominate for the schooling show program. So you can actually nominate your horse and yourself after the fact if you would like to take part in this program. So it's really exciting. We've tried to make it as user-friendly as possible. Yeah, it sounds really user-friendly. So if you've already ridden in a show and you hear this interview, you can still do it if you're within the 21-day period. That's awesome. Well, and so Kristen, there's also another award, the new USDF Diamond Achievement Recognition Rider Award. Can you tell us about this one? USDF is really excited about uh, the Diamond Achievement Recognition. It is part of our ever-popular Rider Awards program, as you mentioned. And it was very important to USDF that we recognize our competitors who have earned all three of their medals as well as their freestyle bars. Recognizing them when they meet that milestone is, is very important to us because not a lot of people have done that. So the Diamond Achievement is, again, for any USDF member who has been awarded all three medals, the bronze, silver, and gold, and all three freestyle bars, the bronze, silver, and gold. And all you have to do is earn those awards, submit your online application. Once they're recognized, USDF takes care of everything else. Once a year, we will pull the competitors of who have completed this achievement, and we will automatically recognize you on the website. We will send you a certificate of recognition and a letter of achievement, as well as a pin. And we have a plaque that we will be having housed at the USDF office, and we will have your name engraved on that plaque recognizing your achievement. And there is no application fee. There is nothing the competitor needs to do other than sit back and enjoy the accolades. Oh, so this one, so... Sorry, I was going to ask, what about the Diamond Tierra that comes with it, right? (laughs) Now we're talking, Phil. Not, now not, we're not talking. Not quite yet. Yeah, okay. yeah, not quite, but coming soon. <laughs> so, so Kristen, I, I did check with you um, because I also, I have been awarded this medal or I, I have hit the achievement part. So asking for myself, right. not even a friend, uh, where do I find said form to, uh, to, to, to put it down. Cause I'm, I'm excited about this one. This was a really, this was a big achievement. Um, and, and I even had, I had clients that really helped me, especially, uh, my wonderful Pam McKee who helped me actually the hardest was my bronze freestyle bar. That was the hardest one to get. And, and Pam helped me and, and I, I used Marcus, her horse, uh, to get my first and second level scores. And it became a really fun adventure for all of us. So, uh, for me, it was very much a team effort. So, um, I have to recognize sort of everyone that helped me do it because it's not easy to do it. Um, so how do I find said form for myself? Like I said, Reese, I was really happy to, um, you know, verify for you that yes, you have completed the requirements for this recognition. 
but there's no form. You don't there's have no to form? do anything. <laughs> no, you don't have to fill I'm out really a form. Bad at forms. <laughs> no, all you have to do is wait for your pin and your letter to come in the mail. Now, I will say this. The end of the competition year will be September 30th, and we will be pulling the information sometime after October 15th. So I would say between October 15th and the end of the year, USDF will be mailing out the first round of um, the Diamond Achievement Recognition letters, certificates, and pins. But I can't give an exact date as to when that would be. Well, and I'm hoping Phil will send me a tiara. Because he knows I would really like that. Tierra's pending. Tierra's pending. pending. That's going to be after the first. Come on, Phil. Come on. Take one for the team. A tiara would be nice. I'm going to hold Phil on to that. There's no pictures that didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to hold Phil to that. Well, I'm really excited because I know a couple other people that have done this. And um, it is, it's really, it's nice that USDF has recognized now that, that it is a very difficult thing to do and, uh, and to recognize people. So I'm excited for myself and my own team. um, And we'll be looking forward to to it coming. Um, well, and, and as well, you should be, because like you said, this is a huge accomplishment. Um, as, as many of our USDF members know, the Ryder Awards program, the first medals were awarded in 1974, but the first freestyle bars were not awarded till 2002. So from 2002 to present, only approximately 60 people so far have been able to meet this accomplishment. So it is, it is a challenge, but one that can be successful and extremely rewarding completed. Absolutely. I will wear the pin with pride for sure. I'm, I'm excited. And for every, for the other 60 people that are in the first batch, uh, I know they're going to be excited as well. Well, Kristen, as always, we are so very thankful for all you do at USDF. You work very, very hard to make sure all the, all the competitions uh, run smoothly and all the things. And we really appreciate it. And if our, our listeners have any questions about the schooling show program and, or the new diamond achievement recognition award, how can they get a hold of you? Um, they, by all means, questions. I love questions because we can't educate our members unless they reach out to us and love to share information and talk about awards. So um, you can email me directly at cbrown at usdf.org, or you can call me. My direct line at work is 859-971-7361. I always respond to smoke signals and stuff like that if I see them, but for the most part, <laughs> Email and phone calls is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Oh yeah, don't encourage us. <laughs> we could we could all you never know what would happen, but we are so thankful for all you do and thanks so much for coming on the show. It's very easy when you like what you do. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Researchers have confirmed that as horses age, they naturally become less sensitive to insulin and more susceptible to health problems caused by too much sugar in the diet. One way to reduce the sugar content in a horse's diet is to replace sugar-laden grains with a high-fat supplement. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It is readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of sugary grains. Equijule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium-to-phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. 
Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. Best of all, Equijuel allows owners to easily replace the calories previously supplied by sugary grains. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijuel. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, I am so very happy to have Angela Jackson on the program with us. She's an FEI rider and trainer, also a friend of mine. And uh, Angela, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Well, this weekend, we were at the same White Fences Horse Show here in Wellington. Actually, it's in Loxahatchee, and it's a little bit of a calmer environment than the other showgrounds uh, in, in Wellington. So it's a little little better environment. And I looked up, and I, and I saw what was going on, and, and I just loved it. And, and I'll give everybody a quick backstory. I saw you coaching a very well-known rider who was an FEI rider with a young horse. And I know this particular rider has never done a young horse. And I just thought it was such a cool thing to watch. So I just wanted to bring you on the show to kind of have you explain what you were doing, why you were doing it. It was just really cool. So I'm glad to have you on the show. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. As as, (laughs) uh, you know, young horses is what I do, but it's not for everyone. And um, so when we found this really exciting, nice uh, green broke uh, three-year-old, literally not even 30 days under saddle, still kind of on the lunch line. Uh, we had a talk and it's her new horse. And she, I think, acquired enough skill of riding and she, she wanted to do it herself. And she asked me if I could help her do it. And I told her, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we are trying to bring now this, this young upcoming rider and this young upcoming horse on the same page and uh, learn together. And uh, I think that we had a really, really good first weekend. So it was the first time that she did ever a material class uh, for three and four year olds in uh, the horse's first horse show. And it actually went just like we had uh, planned it. Was a little excited the first day. It got a little better the second day and, uh, you know, learned to be on the trailer, which is a big thing. They're not very patient, these young horses. (laughs) And so... um, she, she, uh, and as more she was riding the horses, more she got confident that she could actually do this, and and that did quite well. So uh, let us let us into your training program a little bit. What were the conversations? What were the expectations in uh, going going to the, this first horse show? And then maybe after we can talk about, you know, what what was what was the training that actually happened? Well, so right now, I mean, there's riders out there that, that obviously do it for a profession like I do, and, and, you, and you can go in and really challenge the horses a little bit. You are a little bit more prepared on if something happens to react in the right way. Now, that is obviously not necessarily the case now with this inexperienced rider. So our expectations were that we're going to have a calmer young horse in the ring that is listening and i we had a game game plan going in this is a very nice young horse will be very nice and our goal is to make it a very nice grand prix horse which i think it will be but to ride this weekend i didn't want any of that i i literally told her i said you need to remember your hunter hack days you need to relax your pelvis you need to soften and I, I, what I said was, you got to keep it very simple. You just let the body follow the nose. <laughs> because yeah. there's really yeah. not much else, yeah. you, can, no, it's really perfect. Not much yeah. else you can do. 
And I said, if you need to make a circle, these material classes are designed to give young horses confidence. We are allowed to do, you know, circles or do straight lines unless the judge specifically asks us to do something. But every horse has a different stride. So sometimes if there's three or four horses in there, which there were this weekend, uh, you know, one horse has a bigger stride than the other, then you have to turn and you're allowed to do so. And I think that gives horses confidence and it gives uh, also the, uh, the confidence of having other horses in there with them. It's not so scary for them because you've got to build that trust that this is okay. You don't want to start out with a phobia of fear to go in there. Um, I think the biggest mistake that is made with young horses is that people think about, oh, well, I have to write a test. And I just want them to be with the environment and learn and get comfortable. And they have to trust the rider. And the rider has to trust the horse as well. I think that was one thing that, that I had to stress to Kelly. And I told her, you have to trust that, that he will be there for you. You know, and then, yeah, I mean, it looks, you know, what I saw was great. And, and the first day you rode him a little bit around, uh, you were on him for maybe both days. I'm not sure. How was, tell us the process. I mean, like you said, getting on the trailer, getting to the horse show. This is quite an open environment, actually, this particular showground. I I like this showground a lot because it has a a very secure lunging area. Uh, which was good for for the young horse. The first day, the horse was really overstimulated with everything. I mean, there was so much to take in. And so that secure round pen area at White Fences is quite nice for young horses. So so that was good that we had this very nice secure lunging area. And I, I, I just wanted to make sure that the horse can play and go and let all the anxiety out until it was really relaxing and just just trotting uh, with a little bit of, of relaxation and letting the neck just go and taking a breath. So, and I don't know how long that will take. It depends from horse, but I have to read the body language of the horse. So once we had accomplished that, um, I wanted to make sure that the horse was safe to ride for her because the plan was if the horse was overstimulated and couldn't handle the electric environment, that I would probably have been the one that had shown the horse. But, um, I went in there, and yes, it was a little scared, but it had a good brain, um, and I felt confident that um, my rider could could fight the horse uh, safely because there's a safety issue too. And um, and she got on, but it, she was a little tense, and the horse started to feed up on that. And uh, I could tell that it got a little bit hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, and and so I said, "Let me get back on." And I she got off. I got back on, and I talked loud on what I was feeling and what I was doing. And I, I just, uh, me knowing the rider, I kind of knew what she was doing. And I was explaining to her that that's what was causing the reaction in the horse. So then I made her get back on the horse after I kind of cleared that tension away. And then she followed my instructions on how to react to what she was feeling, because it was the reaction to what she was feeling that was a little bit wrong. And as soon as she figured that one out, boom, you know, she had it. And then she could, I think you saw her then the next day where she was so much better in the way she was. We call it in Germany a remonte seed, which is a lighter seed. Or I I think I can only translate it into a hunt seat almost, like a lighter lighter seat. Like a a two point. Um, Two point kind of. Right, right. And you know, on your ankles and knees a little bit. Yeah. Correct. 
Yeah, yeah. So you stand a little bit in the stirrup and you just, you know, just like a jumper would do or a hunter would do, just a little bit to release the tension in the back because they're so weak in the back. Mm-hmm. And, and really, mm-hmm. you don't have much of a connection. And I told her, I said, it's not really that you can give a correct half halt because obviously the horse doesn't know that yet. Yeah. Uh, I said, when, when, you, when you feel the balance leave you, instead of just really trying to aid strongly, you just close both reins both fingers and, you know, both fists, and you just kind of hold a little bit against it because you have to keep it that simple to the horse. And you just, you know, close both reins, you know, and, and just just make it, just take that a little bit and make it wait like that with nothing else and keep standing softly in, in a little bit lighter seat in it and, and, and just wait until it understands, oh, that's meaning slow down. And then you just release your fingers again when you have the tempo you really desire. And then the horse understands, oh, okay, so this is where, where we need to be. And, and that, that works a whole lot better. Again, for an upper-level rider, it's very hard to not want to use the education you have received with hot balls and leg ales and seat aid and all that to bring the horse under. But that doesn't work with a three-year-old horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there's an uh, an important point in here in that, um, you know, even if you're riding, you know, even if you've got a young horse at home, and you want to, you know, you want to take it to a show, it, it's well worthwhile to maybe hire an experienced rider to give it a good experience yeah. because yeah. I think if you're if you're going to the going to a show and you're not super confident or you know. Uh, you can give the horse a really bad and a really scary experience if the anxiety yeah. from the horse and rider mm-hmm. are just feeding yeah. each other. And, yeah. you know, you know, sometimes with a young horse, I, I know this, I've ridden a lot of them, but they drag you over to the corner of the ring or something. And then you, yeah. you have to respond in the right way. And, and for sure, they're going to probably go a little bit too fast or, or just try to not try to ignore you, but, but you can, you can be ignored when there's so much other stuff going on. Right. And, you know, uh, or if you're, yeah, you know, you're used to it, riding it's a party. So it's a party, actually. Yeah. They're thinking like, this is and, great. This is party. Yeah. And, you know, it's especially if you. to the mind, to the young yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. Compute it all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. So for you sure. To, no, you're you you absolutely you, correct. You need and, to and be I able think, to speak their language a little bit and just, and, yeah. and literally talk to them. I mean, you know, like you don't have to be up yes, there being yes. real physical, you know, you just have to. And if, and if it's going, if it's going bad, you just retire and, you know, you, you come back another day, but, uh, this is the most I, important experience yeah. in a horse's life. If you want to continue on, it's, you have to, you have to do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I think the expectation sometimes is, oh, he did it at home. You know, what's the problem you lose, maybe not half, but you lose a lot at the show. Because like you said, Reese, they, it's a party. There's so much to take in, and they don't know what to take in first. As you mm-hmm. know, we are smaller stables. Everybody has like one or two or three or four in, in a smaller. There's not like that much going on. So these horses have only a stimulant here and there. But suddenly there's all this going on. Trailers coming, horses coming, horses screaming. You know, the ring over there, people walking, dogs walking. I mean, there's so much to take in and the openness in itself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. So, so you have, and you have to remember, it doesn't matter if it's a good, uh, a good teaching or a bad teaching. You teach it. Yes. It's an experience. It's a learning. It's a learning in a good way. And that's what you want to do or a learning in a bad way. And, and I think too, what, what I really noticed and loved was 
this is a skill. Riding a young horse is a very different skill than riding an FEI horse. They're it's like teaching kindergarten and teaching college students. Everybody's yeah. teachers. I don't know how to, I teach college. I don't know how to teach little kids. I would, I would walk into a kindergarten and be like, I don't know what to, do. I don't know. You what know, like I'm not trained. I don't do that. I don't know what that yeah. is. I don't know what to do with the little kids. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. And, and what I loved was you were specifically teaching your FEI rider. Who's a very good rider, very successful rider that this is a different skill. And this may mm-hmm. not be her niche, like in life, like I am not, you guys are both one of two young horse riders that I respect so greatly. I don't like riding young horses. It's like, I wouldn't like teaching kindergarten. It's not my thing. I just don't like, right, I don't right. like little beings. <laughs> it's not my thing. Yeah. But the fact I don't that think this she wants to do another one, but she's challenging yeah, but herself, and I'm you I'm need to, exactly proud of her to do so. Me too, because you need to know and have that skill. Because maybe someday she'll she she can work with someone else on the ground or help or what. I mean, it's just it's a great skill to be because you've also trained very good professional young riders who are very good young riders or young horse right. riders, so that they, you know, have all the skills. And that's what I love because it's recognizing. I think that's kind of where I wanted to go with this interview is that not everybody, you have to get that skill. You have to be trained to have that skill and young yeah. horses require learning that skill. And it's really important. And, and I just thought that that was what was so cool because it was recognizing that this is a skill that needs to be taught to this rider so that she knows number one, how to do it. Cause how, if you ride an FEI horse and have done young riders and juniors, that horse was trained by someone at some point, most kids don't train and nor should they be able to train that horse, but they learn the aids and they learn what's going on, but they don't know how to install the leg yield button. Like somebody had to do that. So it's so important that, that young riders, young professionals, then once they have those skills on how to do it, then go back and work with someone like yourself, who is so good with young horses that you can teach that skill of how do we install the like yield button or how do we install the half haul button? But you have to take that time, step back and say, well, this is not something I know how to do. And I need to learn it from somebody who's very good at it. And that's what I just thought was so cool about the whole event was I was like, this is cool because this person is learning how to do this. And this is a hard thing and very different than what she's done before. Yeah. I I think also the expectation is a little bit false. Sometimes when I watch and look at, uh, you know, at horse shows with people who are not as experienced, uh, they're either disappointed or they, they wonder what went wrong when maybe not necessarily anything went wrong. <laughs> That's yeah, the tricky yeah, part. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's really understanding the learning curve of this young horse. What that horse learned over those four days at the show with the schooling they included is I cannot teach at home. And, and so, so the positive teaching that happened this weekend then will, you know, carry over to the next. And, and sometimes here's what I have done also in the past. Sometimes I enter something and thinking, okay, I can maybe do it. I can do it at home, but I'm not so sure that I can do it at the show, but I don't want to not have entered it. And then I realize, oh, the horse has learned it, it, it can do it. But 
I was thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's not going to figure it out. So, so sometimes I enter something and it gives me options on what I will do with that horse and where the state of mind is of that horse. So even though I can do it at home, if the state of mind of the horse is not right, if I try to go in there and try to make it do it, I actually do more harm than I do good. And, and that is something I think a lot of people get frustrated here because we don't have many young horse trainers in this country. We have a, we have a few good ones, but I think in general, we need more on a, on a medium level, uh, maybe not to the national championship level. I think, and, and that is something that I don't know if, if this is the appropriate place here, but I think if we would have a regional young horse class, which we don't have, we have only a national young horse class, but if we would have like a regional young horse class, I think more trainers that maybe not comfortable taking on the young horse would maybe do it or at least try to do it. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I'm not not sure. sure. I mean, I I think think it was, it was such a cool thing because there were like three or four, four year olds, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I was warming up with you guys. So I, I, and thankfully Big Mike doesn't care. I was like, you can bump right yeah, at him. He doesn't care. Working and preparing for your class, but you caught yeah. it off the corner of your eye. Yeah. But I there were, there were a couple of youngsters. Was not always perfect. So we were in. Your yeah. <laughs> and I noticed and I said, it's fine. My horse, my, my horse doesn't particularly care about that stuff. So I said, no problem. But there were like three or four of them. And I thought that that was so cool because again, you know, going into that material class and using those, re- and it's, it's early. I mean, it's, it's February right no, yeah. it's March sorry yeah. it's early in the year these March. are still yeah. very I'm like what they're, they're not four yet they, they, they're, they're not four yet. yet they're still yeah. babies yeah. so so I just I just really thought it was cool I thought it was really worth our time in, in our discussion of um you know really kind of knowing knowing when you need help knowing who yeah. to call yeah. and in having that person help you with a plan and with a young horse that is a fluid plan that's going to change depending on what happens in the environment but I just thought it was, it was just really cool to watch. And I wanted people to know that these programs exist. And if, if it doesn't, then you should talk to someone in your area that can help you um, and give your yeah, horse and your yourself research a little bit. Do your yeah. research a little bit though, because yeah. there's a lot of people that say that they do it, but they not necessarily that good with young horses. So do a yeah. little research on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, was but, just, I was just going to speak on the, the yeah, national ahead, versus though. regional thing. I mean, um, you know, when horses are slated for the national young horse classes or even, you know, going to Europe and doing the international uh, young horse classes, I, I think um, people are willing to invest because the, because these horses are, are normally pretty spectacular. But I think all all horses, yeah. you know, deserve a good start and, and a good experience, you know, going to a horse show. And, and that's where I think. I, I can agree with the regional thing is like, okay, maybe they're not spectacular horses, but you know, these young horses need to go out to need but to go out to horse has shows. To be the same. Yeah, it's the same. You're correct. And I think the regional on the regional level, I think a lot of people are not really interested in doing these young horse classes. It's because they see only these big pictures of these fancy horses, like you said, on the national on the international, and they're like, well, I cannot compete with that. So why would I even try? And I said, that's a shame because I think you'd be surprised. Like some horses, I had young horses that couldn't do anything at four, and you thought, oh, my gosh, this is never going to do anything. But then they find themselves, and then suddenly, whoops, there they are, and and they make wonderful FEI horses and very successful FEI horses. 
Yeah. In the right but hand. But they learn in the right hands and, yeah. and, and they've been yeah. taught well, right? They have good confidence. They go to the horse show, Correct. you know, like you said, like just even getting on the trailer and standing on the trailer and there's no, in Florida, there's not, there are some stabling, but in general, the horses show off the trailer. When we're in Kentucky, Angel's also in Kentucky, the horses usually go and stay at the horse show. So it's, it's a yeah. totally different skill of like, showing off the trailer and having to stand on the trailer. I have some FEI horses that don't like stand on the trailer, you know, like they have to learn, like, this is how this happens. And this is what, yeah. what goes on. And, you know, it's, it's a bit different program. And so I think it's really important to do that with these horses and so that they learn and they, they understand and they, but, but this is every horse. I mean, this particular horse and rider, we want them and I would love to see them be an FEI horse in, in a few years. <laughs> But, well, you know, like plan, you said, <laughs> yeah, but every horse deserves a start like this, even if yeah. it's not slated yeah, to yeah. be an FEI horse, you know, if it's going to be, there's, there's so many ranges of horses, but every young horse deserves this opportunity of having a good start at a horse show. And, you know, if you're not the most, you know, comfortable or confident rider, then, you know, work on finding someone that is, or finding someone that will do this where you're working together with someone. And that was, that was what was so cool about this was this young horse and rider clearly had a good experience and it yeah. just needs to happen more because these horses, these FEI horses, it does not happen overnight. It takes years, but it takes years of things like this, of going Positive to the horse show. Absolutely. Positive reinforcement. So, but yeah. uh, again, Angela, it was so cool to watch. I thank you for all you do. I thank you for the mentoring you do of all the young riders. It's fantastic. And uh, we wish you and your whole team a great rest of Florida. And uh, we're so happy you came on the show with us. Well, thank you very much. And I, I hope that everybody stays safe in these uncertain times. Agreed. Absolutely. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for having me, guys. It was great talking to you. And now a quick word from EcoGold Saddle Pads. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoGold Secure Saddle Pads are engineered to keep the horses back comfortable while keeping the saddle in place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and the ultra-thin flaps provide the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles, shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. Well, tonight we are very excited to have JJ Tate. She is an international rider and trainer, and she has started her Team Tate Academy. JJ, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we are a friend of the show. You've been on a lot before in the past, and we're excited about your new opportunity. And we've been highlighting through the pandemic, through our community, some really cool educational opportunities that are available because we're trying to be sensitive. People are still, Phil, in lockdown and still can't really get to their horses maybe as much as they want or, or be able to go to shows or clinics. So we love your academy, and we wanted you to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, great. Well, like with everybody last year, you know, after the show shut down in Wellington, we all sort of looked at each other and slightly panicked and thought, oh my gosh, like what does the world look like now? And it was interesting because I had actually met with builders the year before and we were thinking about like having Charles DeCumphy as my mentor for like 30 years I've always wanted and had this dream to like start an academy and we met with the builders and we were going to build some classrooms and, you know, we've got a bunk, we've got a house that we could use as a bunkhouse and, you know, really make it like educational, like on property. And then of course 
the coronavirus came into our lives. And so we needed to like adjust and reevaluate. And I would have never guessed ever that I would have gone online. But, you know, we're, we're by ourselves at the barn. And I said to my husband, Richard, I'm like, why don't you just pick up the camera and I'm just going to ride around and I'm just going to explain what I'm doing. I'm going to talk about my warm up and what I look for and while I'm riding. And I've done that for a lot of my clients that have horses with me that live far away. You know, I send them, I, I connect the mic into the camera and then I just, you know, show them what we're doing and what we're working on and things like that. And that was always really, uh, you know, really positive for the owners to feel involved. And then when I was teaching and able to teach a lot of clinics, I would get on a lot of times with the mic or the headset with the rider and, you know, really explain what I'm doing, what I'm feeling, what I'm going for, how the horse feels, what I'm, what the exercise is for. And that was always a really popular thing in the clinics I was teaching. And of course, here I was home. I couldn't teach any clinics. I couldn't, I I mean, no one was traveling anywhere. And I just thought, you know, maybe I just, just, show people what I'm doing with my own horses and they can get a a sense of how they can apply that to their horses at home when they can't get to lessons or they can't get to horse shows. Like they can still stay really inspired and, and learn that they're capable of training their own horse at home as well. I love it. So talk to us. You you said every week you do an educational video. So tell us what was this week's video? Well, this week, I'm not honestly actually sure what came out because right now (laughs) we've got over 40 videos in there, but it's structured in the way that there's three different tiers. So we talked a lot about how we could do that. And so we thought it was cute to be like a working student, an apprentice, and a trainer, which are things I've, I've already had in my own stable. I was already sort of a springboard for young trainers to come through and they started as working students, turned into apprentices, turned into my assistant trainers and then went off on their own. And now they're all, you know, Grand Prix riders and, you know, some of them are down here in Wellington. So that's really fun. But I thought I could structure that uh, in a learning platform. So we've got the working students who get and like, so everybody gets this, the working students, apprentices and trainers, but everyone gets a weekly video. They're all about 10 to 15 minutes long where I pick a specific topic like turn on the forehand or a leg yield or preparation for the flying change or how I introduce shoulder in. And so each week, um, everybody gets a new video. And then twice a month, we have what we call the tack room chats where everyone is allowed to come uh, and you know, I always imagine like everyone is like actually sitting on their tack trunk and having a discussion about two videos. So you'll get an email of like which two videos to review. And then you have a chance to ask some of my trainers how, when you attempted to do it at home with your horse, what did you run into? What happened? And so you can help, we can help troubleshoot and sort of support you while you're, you know, trying all these things at home. And then The apprentices also get a monthly Zoom lecture. So that's always the second Wednesday of the month where I, you know, break things down a little bit deeper. We went through all the different lateral work and what joints it benefits, when to incorporate that into your ride, you know, and really just gave a nice lecture about that. We had another lecture on position and how to develop a good seat. And then the trainers, which is a limited spot, we've limited it to 20. 
that's when you actually can get a Zoom lesson or you can send in a pre-recorded lesson and I can talk over the top of it and we blend it together and send it back. So uh, it's really exciting because I have a student in Norway and Alabama and Canada. And so um, it's just been really, really fun to be able to teach people kind of all over the world, which again, like I never thought that would be something that was happening. But I would say probably one of my favorite videos and Allie brought my, my coach, who I know most of you guys know is a 2016 Olympian with Roosevelt. She's my coach now and um, she's in the academy and we talk about different videos that, you know, that she liked. And one of her favorite ones was having the horse waiting and yielding and going on the bit. And so what I talk about while I'm riding is how to a little bit make the horse's shoulders wait for the rider so that they can, you know, drive the hind leg closer to the bit without pulling on the reins or shortening the horse's neck. And so two questions I always ask my horses when I get on them, or if I'm, you know, looking at a horse for a client for sale, are you waiting for me? And can I yield you sideways? And so that was, I really broke that down and I showed it with an example all the videos are of me riding with a microphone and I just go into, you know, in depth, what seat phone to sit on, how to apply it, you know, the half halt, how to, where to put the leg on, what you're looking for, what the exercise is beneficial for, and then troubleshoot it too. Because I really want to help people be able to train their horses at home, but also so many times when we're taking a lesson, it's really hard to like have all the time you really need with the trainer to ask all the questions you would have. So I put in a lot of theory. And so when you're, when your trainer is like walk and yield them off your leg or turn them the forehand, like you'll have had that video that you, it's like an in-depth study that you'll be able to know exactly what he or she means like inside your lesson. So you won't have to waste time asking like a ton of theory or a ton of questions because you'll have a deeper understanding uh, of the exercises and how to apply the aids and, and things like that. Well, JJ, what, what is a good test of whether your horse waits or not? Well, what I like to do is to feel like I can apply my half halt and be able to give both reins and a bit of an uber striking to make sure that then the horse doesn't number one, run forward, you know, faster or take their neck away from me, whether it could be, you know, dropping down and sort of falling apart. That would show me that I was holding the horse too much together with my hands. And of course, we're always going for harmony and self-carriage and balance. And so for me, that feeling that I can half halt and soften the rain, and the horse stays in the exact same rhythm, the same tempo, and the same balance, and the same frame, that's that moment I know that my half halt not only went all the way through, but the horse is really waiting on my seat. And of course, if, if I do give the reins, and the horse sort of, you know, falls down in the connection, or, you know, runs a little bit faster, then I can always exaggerate that with a full transition just so that I always want to have that feeling that the horse is recycling his energy back into his hind leg so that I can redrive it forward again. 
a lot of times horses can talk us into having too much contact. And so you always want to make sure that you're not holding on too much because that will be like a handbrake on the horse's joints behind. And we're always looking for the ability to strengthen the horse up as well as amplify the gates to make the horse more beautiful with us up there than they were before we hopped on. Yeah, I think I think this is I think this is a really important tip um, because most riders want to focus on the half halt and 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 just basically slow the horse down, right? But I think it's an yes. important point to remember that the half halt includes the give. That, well, that the that give is like, not is not after the half halt. It's part of the half halt. So if you're doing a half halt, you have to you have to bring the horse back. You, you can create a little contact, you, you know, and, and use your core muscles and all those great things. But the give is part of the half halt. And that sort of shows you whether the half halt worked or not, or, or um, then you can proceed with your with your next thing. But too many people are just exactly. like, oh, I pull and, and OK, half halt's done. And then I, I run forward again or, or whatever. And, and you, <laughs> yeah. you really we should have you do that not, again, Phil. Just saying. OK, again, you know. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so self-defeating when you don't quietly give the horse and say, okay, now I'm in balance. Now I can do a circle. Now I can do a canter transition. Now I can do a leg yield. Now I can do whatever else I need to do. But, but the, uh, the give is such an important part of the, of, of the half halt. So I absolutely love that comment because it is, it, it's the never ending trap on people don't give in the half halt. And, and JJ, I loved the visuals you were giving. They were phenomenal. So how can people find the Academy online and find out more information about your program? Well, we can visit the website at www.teamtateacademy.com. We also have a Facebook group called Team Tate TV, where we do all kinds of different announcements on Facebook sneak peeks of each video that's coming out. Uh, and that's, of course, free on Facebook. And everyone can follow along our, our the horses that we have down and get all the newest updates on the Academy. But again, the Academy is just Team Tate Academy. And you can also check out the podcast, which is Dressage Life with JJ Tate as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we wish the Academy all the best of luck. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Well, Phil, off air, we were just talking about the the difference in uh, the two climates that we're in right now. So uh, we both love and use the Total Saddle Fit shoulder relief girths and the liners. So I have right now, I have the neoprene liners on because it's 90 degrees and the horses are sweating like crazy. So we need to be able to have essentially summer gear on our girths. But what do you have up in Canada right now? Well, we've we've got the we got the fleece line girths on right now. Um, you know, we're we're doing everything that we can to keep the horses comfortable and and not have rubs and 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 problems with their short winter cut coats. So uh, that works pretty good for us. And then we'll be transitioning to the summer girths hopefully soon. I mean, we're we're hoping for good weather. 
I'm hoping for you too, for sure, is, is, is being able to transition. And that's what's so great about these products. Um, and Justin at Total Saddle Fit has done such a great job being able to, to allow us to transition no matter where we are and what climate. So uh, check it out because the liners are not expensive uh, and they can be interchanged and they're a great product. So as always, we love Total Saddle Fit products. Check out their products at totalsaddlefit.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Natasha from yourridingsuccess.com on for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. Natasha, thanks for staying on the show tonight. So excited. Can't wait to share a tip. Let's, let's go. We're excited. So tell us, what is your tip for this week? We love it. Okay. So wherever you are in your writing, whatever you're doing, what I want you to think about is clarity. I want you to have that word in your brain for the day. And what I want you to think about when you think about clarity is, am I clear on what I want? Am I clear on what that looks like? Like, will I know when I've achieved it? Um, let's say if it's a trot canter transition, don't just say, I, I hope I, it's a good trot canter transition. What is a good one? Does it mean that the rhythm doesn't change? Does it mean that the head doesn't change? Does it mean that the horse goes uphill into it? Does it mean that it's seamless? What, what does it look like? How will you know when you've done it? How will you know when you haven't done it? What's your plan for getting it? If you ask and you don't get that transition, what's your plan? If you ask and you do get that transition, what's your plan? Um, the more clarity you have about what you want, what you're looking for, and what you're going to do, what success and not successful clock, then the more fun you're going to have. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I've heard this a lot from Robert Dover, and he was just teaching the horse mastership. So a lot of a lot of my students caught that online. And I think what's really important and what's really uh, going to lead to success is being very, the more specific you can make mm. your vision, the better it will be, mm. or the more chance of success, you know, like, like you said, don't just say, I'm going to make a canter transition. You're, you're, you're going to make a canter transition that has how much weight on your inside rein, how much weight on your outside rein, how much mm-hmm. bend do you want? Like, mm-hmm. Just make a very, very clear picture. Paint it in your brain before ever sitting on the horse or as you're, you know, I kind of do this as I'm uh, warming the horse up, walking around. I'm like making very specific. I, I want to have a, a perfect feeling in my mind before I can create a perfect feeling on my horse. So good. So good. And especially like, I don't know if anyone tr- does this, but like I just do it for fun. Sometimes I go, I'm not going to ask the aid. I'm just going to think it. And I'm sure my body changes because of my thought, but I go one, two, three, just think canter and boom, it's there. And you're like, how is that? Like it's because that picture and that transition is boom in the head and the horse goes, yep, I know what we're doing. Well, and I think just in general, right, this is something we work on all of us every day is being very clear with what we're asking. Cause really riding a dressage horse is mm. all about communication and what you're saying. And, and, mm. you know, I, I'm, I, I'm working, um, at the Grand Prix with my, my new horse. He's, he's newer to me. And I literally was mm. looking at the video, like, Oh my gosh. And in the test, I went for the biggest passage I could get. And I got a great canter transition and it was my fault. Clearly Mm. that's what he thought. I asked him, he's very happy to do whatever I asked him. And I thought, 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was just going for this huge passage and obviously not the right aid. So, I mean, it, it, you can take it from any level and from a training level on up to the highest level. It's all about the communication. Yeah. So it makes complete sense, right? That you need to be clear. And I think that that's so important to think about as you're writing and well, any communication, right? It, everything has to be clear. So it makes complete sense. And I think that we as writers, you know, you get a lot of things. There's so much to think about in your brain, right? And so getting the clear aid to the horse sometimes is a challenge, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think in the Grand Prix, like we, we do, we're like big, everything, everything big. And, <laughs> you know, I know for me and my Grand Prix horse, he loves the one-time tempi. So especially for the two, I have to go one two, and I have to leave my leg there. Because if I just relax the leg, well, then that means another chat. Like it's like one, yeah. two. And so we have to be so much more deliberate about everything that we do and ask and move. Because as you said, the horse is trying to, like he wants to do everything we ask for. And if we move inadvertently, well, what messages are we sending? Right. No, it's so true. Well, Natasha, tell us where can we find more information about you and your website? We love all your information. How can we find out more? Yeah, um, you can go to yourwritingsuccess.com. You can, um, there's heaps of free resources on the website there, or you can check me out on all the social media, YouTube, Your Writing Success, Facebook and Instagram, Your Writing Success. And we also have a podcast, Your Writing Success. We love other podcasters. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming (laughs) on the show. And we look forward to talking with you in the future. Pleasure. Happy writing, everyone. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. We read them. We love them. They keep us uh, entertained. And we promise when we get questions, we will get them in the queue to answer them for everybody and keep sending them. But we just wanted to remind you, we've got our book club of the month going on, How Two Minds Meet, The Mental Dynamics of Dressage by Beth Baumert. And you can get the book at horseandriderbooks.com, a great website. We love Trafalgar Square and all they do for our program. Uh, But this is a fantastic book. Book. We highly recommend it. Uh, so again, we're uh, how two minds meet by Beth Bauer. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to keep the lights on. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Eco Gold, and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and we can't wait to talk to you next week.